You were raised to believe the world was black and white. But what if it isn't? What if the rigid belief system you have never questioned is wrong? What if the world is actually a lot more gray? This show is for the seekers, the explorers, those brave enough to step outside of certainty and question everything. Join your hosts as they sit across from the world's leading thought leaders, visionaries, religious gurus, entrepreneurs, philosophers, and more to tackle difficult topics. You don't need all the answers to find meaning in life, but you should be free to ask all the questions. This is Figuring It Out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Figuring It Out podcast. Today's guest is Nick Santanastasso. He is a medical miracle, one of only four people alive in the world with the rare genetic condition, Hanhart syndrome. But the inspirational keynote speaker is also an internationally known bodybuilder and fitness model, despite missing both his legs and one arm since birth. He showed people around the world that they can thrive if they have the determination and willpower to go after whatever they want. He tried out various sports before finding a passion for wrestling, and as a varsity wrestler in his high school, he may not have been the district champion, but he did pack gyms and earn the respect of thousands of total strangers. At the same time, he rose to Vine stardom with a series of zombie prank videos, and his social media stardom has since outlived Vine. Santa Nastasso has shared his life and thoughts on acceptance, positivity, and pushing your limits with millions, gaining the admiration of A-list celebrities like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Tony Robbins, and Gary Vaynerchuk. He also partnered with Fox International to promote The Walking Dead via an epic prank on one of the show's most popular actors, Norman Reedus. You guys are really going to love the show. It's a powerful episode. Tune in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Figuring It Out, where we try to tackle the answers to life's biggest questions. Today, I am joined by somebody that I think is really going to provide a unique perspective on life and uh, make you a little bit more grateful for the things that you're going through. Uh, Nick Santanastasa, what's up, my man? Thanks for joining me on the show. My man, grateful to be here. You crushed my last name. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate. Hey, dude, that's that's you know, I'm, I'm a podcaster, so <laughs> I gotta I gotta do something right. You know, <laughs> gotta be a proper host. Yeah, happy to be here. Let's drop some bombs here. Yeah, dude. So uh, for context and for those listening that uh, can't see you right now, may not know who you are, um, 30 seconds on your origin story, You know um, what happened and why you're here now. Yeah, I was, um, I was born with no legs of an arm, was supposed to pass away, didn't pass away. And now I'm in this unicorn body with no legs of an arm. I've uh, done, done a lot of ventures in my life, um, pranking, bodybuilding, speaking, modeling, and uh, we're going to dive into the psychology of how a man with no legs of an arm outworks most human beings. <laughs> yes, I love I love that segue, man. It's a perfect way to jump right in. Uh, on the show, we, we like to talk about why we're here, why give life our best shot. If you know everything's over at the end, why try? Um, and uh, you know, people will find almost any reason in the book to stop trying. And you had basically every reason in the book to stop trying. And not only that, but everybody around you would have completely understood. Mm-hmm. It would have been one of those unique situations where like, not only would you, not only would you have been justified in that reaction, but everybody around you probably would have supported that. Yet here you are. Why? Why, Nick? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I think a lot of it comes from the way that I was was brought up. Um, and so, for example, you know, like I'm born with no legs, but arm and I was I was the youngest of 
of four, um, four, four together, including me. And so my parents had a little split, split testing to do with the other kids. And I was the last one. And so for example, I think it comes from the upbringing because when I was born, my parents at, at an early age was like, they didn't, they didn't feed me myself. They made me try to figure out how to feed myself. I had to address myself. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think because my early on conditioning or my environment, I was bred to try new things. I was trying to fail on my face, um, fall on my face, fail more, um, elevate whatever I'm trying to do, solve problems, you know, all that different type of stuff. But I'll tell, I'll tell you, this is, there's still times for those that are listening, there's still times where I want to quit. Right. And we were talking about this earlier. It's like, it's emotional fitness, which we'll get into, but I think the why of like why we should do something is because I believe, and this is just my beliefs, right. Is like something greater than me put me here. Right. I think it's pretty wild. We can get into some dark rabbit holes here, but like, I just think it's wild that we're on a spinning rock and it's spinning around in the middle of nothingness and the sun is perfectly there and it doesn't kill us and it doesn't freeze us. Like It's pretty weird that we're here. And by the way, you think adults have their shit together and they know the answers. No one has no idea what we're doing here. Absolutely. <laughs> any idea. If you're, if you're, if you're telling the truth. Right. And yeah. so I think while we're here, I firmly believe that every single person has a superhuman self in them. They like, they have a more to give more to feel, more to experience, more to serve. Um, but oftentimes it's the conditioning and this, the upbringing that you've been brought in that kind of dictates your life, right? So most of your beliefs and the way that you view the world were cultivated between zero and seven years old. And so if you were in a, I'm just gonna be honest, if you were in an average environment, you grow up average yeah, and that's comfortable for you. And that's where you want to stay. Um, and so I don't even know if I know the answer, but I, I know that I want to live a badass life. But I think the thing is, brother, is that most people don't think that they can achieve the things that they really want. Hmm. Why why do you think that? Because of their thinking, right? So for example, it's like if you were if you were brought up, and by the way, I'm not bashing anyone's childhood. It's like I can tell you all about the beliefs that I were cultivated in my childhood. But yeah. if you were brought up in a household where everybody made minimum wage or they live paycheck to paycheck you then become an adult. And if you don't experience other things, you think that's it. Right. Right. Or if, if you lived in section eight or you lived or take a kid that was born into wealth. Right. And yeah. that's all he experiences experience. He's like, what do you mean? Money's hard to make. It's everywhere. Look at, right. you know, like it's, it's based off the conditioning. Right. So, but for those that were brought up and they had to struggle, I think there's more of an advantage for those that struggle because you had to eat a little bit more shit. You had to cultivate a little bit more grit, to cultivate a little bit more character. You had to work a little bit harder to become that rather than getting it food, you know, fed to you. Yeah. Right. And so I think for me that I wasn't fed um, opportunities. My parents put me in uncomfortable situations for me to create my own opportunities. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely does. Um, if you were raised you know, let's say there's two, there's two people, one of and they're both raised the same way. One of them turns out to do extremely well, go on, make, you know, uh, life and experience and they impact the world around them. And they do all, they check all the boxes of what you would think would make a quote unquote successful life or appearance of a life. And someone else who grows up in the same way, maybe even in the same house takes a completely different path why do you think that is and what can we do to proactively try to prevent that from happening to us and to the people in our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. It's kind of like that example is kind of like um, the the two brothers who their dad was an alcoholic. 
you know, and then, and then one solid one way, one solid the other way. It's all about just how you're conditioned. So you can even live in the same house, but experience different things. Yeah. So I think Which is crazy. how we get out of that, right? How we get out of that is one, you have to be willing to want more. That's the first yeah. thing. Shit. If you want to stay average, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you can, you can stay average, but for those that feel like their soul has more to be more to give more to serve, the first thing is wanting to change and wanting to learn, right? Yeah. Then the second thing is becoming extremely aware of your human experience. So what I mean by that is becoming extremely aware of your thoughts on a day-to-day basis, mm. being extremely aware of your focus on a day-to-day basis, being extremely aware of, is my circle pulling me down? Or are they pulling me up? These like, bro, all I do is help people become extremely aware of what's not serving them so they can strip power away from it. Right. And so you can have two people growing, grow, growing up in the same house, but two different focus patterns. The one brother focusing on all the things that he can control. The other brother focuses on the things that he can't control. Right. And why that's so important, especially with the focus thing is what I'm taught is what we focus on. We feel mm. and what you feel is your life. Right. So we talk about this thing called uh, an emotional home and your emotional home is a place that you go to when shit doesn't go your way. Right. So if I were to ask the audience right now as listening, how many times a year do I experience anger? Is it once a year? Is it once a month? Is it a couple of times a week? Is it a lot of times? Right. And I can ask a series of questions and I can identify the emotion that you are addicted to, whether it's stress, anxiety, whatever it may be. And so if what we focus on, we feel and what we feel is our life, then really success is like feeling amazing emotions because we all know millionaires and billionaires who have all the money, but they're still miserable and pissed off and angry. That's their quality of life. And then you go to a third world country and you see a kid kicking the can and he's way happier than you. Who's really rich. Right. Right. The kid who experiences the emotions. And so going into superhuman or success, success isn't always the money. Success is like, I'm, I'm grateful. Mm. I'm fulfilled. I feel like I'm progressing. I'm joyful, right? Because like I said, you can have all the money, but still have a shitty, miserable life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mindset. It's, it's all the battles won and lost every day in your mind. Yeah. 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 The software. Uh, Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And there are things that you can do. There are inputs that you can have to the software that make the outputs a little bit easier to attain, right? What, what are some of those inputs? Yeah, I would say the first one is, remember I said, I don't know if this was on live or now, but the, the quality of our life comes down to the questions we ask, right? Mm-hmm. And most people are asking shitty questions, right? So for example, one of the golden questions that I ask probably like daily is, what did I learn from this, mm-hmm. right? Because you can have one brother or one sister, they can fail, right? Because by the way, we're all going to fail. It's inevitable. Failure is feedback. But you can have one person growing up and they fail and they always ask, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. But you can have the other sibling every time they fail. What did I learn? Yeah. What did I gain? Who did I become? Who's going to have a different mindset, right? So it's it's also the questions. The other thing that usually gets people stuck is their circle, right? Yes. Because to shoot it straight, sometimes it's your closest family and friends that won't align with your vision. Mm. And you can't accept that. Just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes your mom's best intent isn't your best intent. Right. And that's hard for people to swallow. And so I'm not saying cut these people off. Don't say, hey, mom, this guy with no legs on arm and watch this interview. He told me to cut you off. See ya. Don't say that. (laughs) But what I am saying is you can give them a little bit less time and energy or you don't talk about specific things with them. 
You don't talk about business. You don't talk about visions. You don't talk about money. There's a time and a place and a, per, a, a specific person to talk about that shit with. Sometimes it's not your family and friends. Does that make sense? Totally, man. Yeah, that's what, <clears throat> what I tell people all the time is like, look, if you have people in your life that that uh, are are pulling you down, but they're people that you don't want to get rid of and that you shouldn't get rid of, you know, right? Like you have maybe a childhood friend or you it's it's your parent, it's a sibling. As people like, don't don't cut them out of your life. The thing that you need to do is make is make sure that on purpose you're spending time with other people who are constantly lifting you up. Like yeah. you have to aggressively go after the opposite of what they give you. And what's going to happen naturally over time is that you're going to have a little bit less time to spend with some of those people because you're spending so much time on purpose with these other people. It's like, oh yeah, let's go out to the bar on Friday night. It's like, ah, well, sorry, man. I, I'm going to actually this event that's in town. Um, uh, this, this personal development event with another friend of mine, we already, you know, we booked tickets like three months ago. You know what I mean? Like go do stuff, get around, be around those positive people on purpose, because the more plans that you make with all the positive people in your life, the less time that you'll have to spend with other people and they will kind of like realize that something's happening. They will, they will take the pressure off. And then by the way, these are the same people that two years later are going to be like, I knew that you were going to do something with your life. Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're going to, and, and, and by the way, they want you to be successful. Like if, if we're talking about the same people here, these are people that love you, that adore you, that want you to have a good, rich, successful life. It's just that in their head, they're trying to help you avoid the struggle that's necessary to get to that point. Mm. And a lot of times they can't be there during the struggle periods or else they'll help you too much. And then it's like the butterfly coming out of the cocoon. And if you just open up the cocoon for them, they won't be able to fly because the struggle of getting out of the cocoon is what strengthens the, their ability to fly. And it's the same thing when, when uh, people around you that love you, see you go through the struggle. It's, it's hard. It's hard to watch somebody that you love go through struggle when you know from a knowledge perspective that you could pull them out of it, but that that's not the right thing for them. And a lot of times I think a lot of parents and friends and, and people that are close to you just don't have the ability to wait a little bit to reach out their hand and pull you up. And, and, and sometimes you got to be able to go through yourself and that, you know, major props to your parents for doing that for you at a, at a really young age where, like I said, most people like spoon feed their kids when they're perfectly fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> your parents were like, your parents was like, nah, bro, feel, like figure that out. Like, we're not going to be there. Like, we're not going to be there when you're 30. We're not going to be there when you're 40. We're definitely not going to be there when you're 60, 70, 80. Like, if yeah. you want to live a life independent of us, you're going to have to go through your own struggles and you're going to have to figure it out. And that is the ultimate form of love and sacrifice anyway, right? Dude, yeah, yeah, spot on. And and not to plug it, my mom wrote a book about how she raised me, but the title is what's most powerful is how we raise an adaptive child in a handicapped world. Mm. Because you can be raised with all your body parts, but still be handy handicapped and crippled and limited by your upbringing. And mm. you hit it right on the head. It's like dad's like, yo, there ain't gonna be footstools and little rings on the loops and the zippers and all that when you get into the real world. So I'm not gonna set my son up for failure. Yeah. But by the way, we're not bashing. We're not bashing your upbringing. You have to understand that your parents did the best they could with what they knew exactly. in their software, right? They didn't They didn't pop you out and say, oh, I can't wait to put a bunch of living beliefs in this little fucker. I'm gonna kid. screw <laughs> this little kid up. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Right. They, they, they didn't do that intentionally. So understanding- right. If you look at it that way, now you have a duty and your duty is to break the generational curses. Your right. duty is to break the generational limiting beliefs. And because oftentimes, right, we're like, 
you can't build a business. No one in our family's ever built a business or honey, everybody's big boned. You're just, you're just fat. It's bullshit. (laughs) It's not true. Right. So you now have a duty to elevate your life. And if you want kids, eventually you're going to have to cultivate your kid's psychology as well. You want to make sure that you're best role model. I don't even have kids. No joke. I just want to share this real quick before we move on. I don't even have kids yet, but I have this little visualization exercise where I picture myself in my office, maybe bigger than this one, because I'm elevating. Right. And I'm in my office and my kid walks in and he goes, dad, what happened to you? You used to be like the best speaker. Why'd you give up? Or dad used to be in such great shape. Why do you got a gut right now? And I can, can you feel that? Can you just like feel like, oh, you know, like, oh, right. And so I do that when I need a kick in the ass. Um, But yeah, so, but you have a duty. And by the way, that's what I said is I, I believe something greater than you put you here. And at least we could do is like leave the earth a little bit better than what we left. And by the way, the earth is, it's hurting. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of bad people. We need more leaders and we need more people with um, good gifts to give to the world. Yeah, dude, the moment I really felt in full effect, the idea that like my parents really were just doing the best that they could with the information that they had at the time was when I had my kids. Because in those moments, I realized that like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) Like this is, this is going to be a crazy journey. Cause like, I don't know any, I don't know that's, I don't know the first thing about being a parent. I didn't grow up like, I didn't grow up with younger siblings or anything like that. I didn't grow up raising babies or kids. I don't know any of that stuff, man. It was just like, when you have kids, you're just like, Oh, so like, this is why I have some issues in my brain that are like, because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Cause there's no such thing as a perfect person. We're all going to have issues with the way that we're wired based on the way they were raised. And to your point, it's just our responsibility to, to try to be a little bit better than they were. And then try to make, try to set our kids off in a direction that was maybe better than the one that we were set off in. And then it's our kids responsibility to do that for their kids and then their kids for their kids. You know what I mean? It's just generationally continuing to get better over time as a, as a society. Um, and, and owning that as, as your choice. Um, can, can you talk a little bit, Nick, about responsibility? Because this is one of, this is one of our core values in, in, my, in my company. It's one of our core values in our family. Um, almost at the very top of the list every time is take radical responsibility because I think everything in life is your responsibility. doesn't mean that it's your fault, but it does mean that it's your responsibility. And I'm sure you have something on this because obviously you didn't choose to be born with no legs and one arm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and there was nothing that you did to deserve that. It's not like you were 21 and drinking and went and got in a car accident. And now you only have one. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing that you did to deserve that yet. Here you are. So what now? Yeah. So with responsibility, it's, this is, this is very interesting because we all know the law of cause and effect. Well, we think we know the law of cause and effect, right? So the law of cause and effect says, because of this, I'm this way. Right. But a lot of people use the the law of cause and effect in the wrong way to play victim. So Mm. for example, it's like, I'm not successful because my parents did this to me. Right. I'm not successful because I got a divorce. I'm not, I'm overweight because my mom fed me this. And what we're doing is we're blaming that cause for where we are right? Rather than taking what you said, responsibility. And so that's how we stay in this victim mentality. Now, why the victim mentality is so, so powerful right now is because what happens when you play victim, you get praise, Mm. you get likes, you get comments, you get sympathy, you get significance, you get eyeballs, but I'll tell you, yeah, attention victim victim victims don't win long-term. 
Mm. It only gets short term, right? So, so what you're talking about, which I love your core values is if you can, if you can go from cause and effect to causing an effect, Mm. that's shifting from victim to victor. That's from victim to superhuman, realizing that the only reason why I'm here is because my actions that I took. And that's taking full responsibility, extreme ownership, whatever term you want to call it. Right. And so understand shit, even leaders, even when it's not their fault, it's their fault. Right. They own that shit. Right. And there's a certain power that you get to take back when you step into responsibility, because you know that because of this, I'm this way. And, and, and by the way, I made a post and I got a bunch of hate on it. I don't know if it's because I posted Trump or because of the caption was aggressive. I don't give a fuck. But (laughs) the, the, what I was saying was, I said, if you live in America, and you are blaming the current sitting president for the reason why you're not successful, you're fucking fooling yourself. Excuse mm-hmm. my language, but you're fooling yourself. Yep. Right. Yep. Like, and it, and so taking responsibility is taking your power back. And so that's my definition. I don't know if that helped. Yeah, definitely. And, and it goes for any sitting president. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> yeah, it, I don't care who it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it like the bottom line is you're responsible. And what you said at the end there was really for me when it, clicked like what because i heard people say like take responsibility take responsibility but it was i don't know maybe three four years ago now where it really clicked with me where it was what you said you're taking power back and that to me was the crux of the whole argument was just like if if you don't take responsibility for things and you don't take responsibility for the position that you're currently in in life how the hell are you supposed to get to where you want to go if nothing is within your control, if nothing is your fault, how do you improve? You know what I mean? And so you get these people that want to, when things go bad, they want to play the victim. And then when things go well, their ego kicks in and they want to be the, the man. They want to be like, oh, I caused that shit to happen. It's like, look, man, you don't get both. Like <laughs> either everything is your fault. Everything is your responsibility. Uh, excuse me, your responsibility or nothing is. Like you don't get to be like, oh, when things are going well, it's because I did something really awesome. And then when things are going poorly, it's like, well, it's because they did something really bad. Like you either are responsible for everything or you're responsible for nothing. And I would way rather choose a life where I'm responsible for everything because at least I have a say in what happens at that point. Life is no longer happening to me. It's happening because of me, because I chose to do something. And even if that something ends up in something bad, that's something that I have to live with, but that's something I would way rather live with than just sitting there and being like, hope life turns out well, you know, hope, yeah. hope that, hope that investment goes, goes well for me. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what kind of a life is that? That sounds awful. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you and, go from there? And then taking accountability too. It's like, that means I'm accountable for the way I feel. Mm. Like it's up to me to feel a certain way. It's up to me to focus on the specific things. It's up to for me to think a certain way, right? So now there's no there's no blaming, right? And you take the crutch, and it and it's just all you. And so, and I know, like since you brought up Ed too, it's like we can people talk about intent, but they don't really go deep on it. Like you can be intentional about the thoughts that you want to think. You mm-hmm. can be intentional about the emotions you want to feel on a day to day basis. That's why people look at me and they go, "How are you so happy?" It's because I train myself. I train, and I'm not saying that I don't have moments. But the thing is, most humans have shitty days. I have shitty minutes. It's very small. I'm able to snap out of it. And so I love that. It's taking full responsibility is instead of sitting in the passenger seat of life, now you're in the, now you're in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. And you dictate where you want to go, how you want to feel, and the people that you want to meet, all of that. 
How do you, how do you control like you personally, not generally, how do you control some of your thoughts and emotions and things like that? Like when you, obviously everybody feels bad, everybody has bad days, everybody has bad moments. How do you consciously pull yourself out of those? Maybe it's subconscious at this point, but, but what did you do to start moving that direction? Yeah. So the first thing is just being aware, right? So, you know, a lot of the times you can wake up and feel shitty and you're like, Oh, guess my whole day is shitty. And that's not true. Right. So the first thing is being, being aware of like, okay, here's stress or hello, anxiety, you're back. And then it's asking yourself, well, where did this come from? Because remember, I said what you focus on, you feel. So a lot of anxiety, stress, anger is self-induced because you're focusing on something that's making you feel that way, right? So I would say for me, and I know you said not general, but but for me, for me, it's I I understand the principle. So for example, and, I, and my my Yoda, if I'm baby Yoda, Yoda's Tony. I get to spend a lot of time with Tony Robbins, right? So there's three things that make up your state, your emotional state. The first thing is your physiology. So when you're stressed and full of anxiety, you're not breathing. You're breathing shallow. You're not breathing full. So I'm like, okay, where's my, where's my breath at? The other thing is your physiology. So you'll notice people will come up to you and they'll go, you just feel so shitty today. It's like, no shit. Like, look where your head is. Look where your shoulders are. Right. So it's physiology, right? The second thing, which is massive, what I just already taught was focus. What are you focusing on? A lot of the times people focus on the things that they can't control. They focus on the things that they don't have. And a lot of times they focus on the past and they repeat the event over and over again. And you tell me, can you focus on an event that was negative in the past and feel the emotions in the present moment? Oh yeah. And, and that's how the brain works is we'll, we'll relive a death of a family member over and over again. Right. That's how we get addicted to specific emotions. Mm. And then the third thing that makes up your emotional state and how you feel is the language that you use and the meaning that you give things. So, for example, remember, like the the two boys that had the alcoholic father, you can ask the one boy, you could say, how's life? And the one kid goes, life's a battle. And if he's, he says life's a battle, that means life's hard. Life's mm. a fight. Life's life or death. And but you can ask the other kid, how's life? He goes, life's a dance. Hmm. You yeah. see, you just feel differently based on the meaning that you gave life. Right. For example, for me, I thought being born with no legs or arm was the biggest curse for the majority of my life until I asked myself what's right about it. And mm-hmm. when I asked myself what's right about it, I realized, well, okay, if a girl doesn't want to date me because of, of how I look, that's clearly an indicator that, that I don't even want that girl anyway. It's not sure. the type of human being that I want to be around with. So now I'm not a curse. My no legs on arm is the greatest blessing, the greatest gift, the greatest form of influence, right? And then also the language that you use. So you'll notice, by the way, for those that are listening, now that you're aware of the tools, you'll see it all around you. You're like, oh, Nick said that, you know, that happened, right? <laughs> so for example, the great example is we've all heard someone say, she stabbed me in the back. Where's the knife? Just by the language you use, you made the, the you made the, the experience way more intense than what it was. Sure. Or you'll, you'll hear, I, you know, you'll hear people all the time, maybe family members without saying their name. It's like, you almost gave me a heart attack. It's like bullshit. (laughs) Like bullshit. Like, you know, but do you see how we can make things way extreme by the language that you use? Right. So those are the three things that make up how you feel, right? Your physiology, your focus and the language and the meaning that you give things. Yeah. And then, you know, you start telling yourself that life's a battle or life's a war, then you're going to start subconsciously looking for the battles. Yes. Yeah. Like you start training yourself to look for all the things that are bad about it instead of training yourself to look for all the things that are, that are good about it. That confirmation bias kicks in and you want to look for all the things that are going to confirm why you're a victim and why you're not where you want to be and why everybody else is really against you and all of those things. Bro, spot on. And it's a great example when you hear someone say, well, I always have shitty bosses. Yeah. 
it's because they'll go into a new job and they'll find the shit in the boss to confirm their beliefs, right? Yeah. So that's the thing is your brain is always going to try to prove your beliefs, right? So you better make sure you have some good beliefs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's well said, man. Well said. Thank you for listening to the Figuring It Out podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. For more information about the show, visit www.figuringitout.tv or connect with us anywhere on social media with the handle figuringitout.tv.